0: team quick check-in before this week's episode uh in true shutdown full cast which ryan is a part of fashion my audio sounds like trash for some reason but ryan sounds great so i decided to go ahead and push this episode out anyways thanks for bearing with me with the technical difficulties and i'll see you next week with a perfectly fine sounding episode Welcome to How did you get here? a Career Path podcast this week we're talking about being a sports writer slash sports podcaster slash general college football miscreant I believe was the word that our guest chose that I'm going to honor uh hello and welcome
1: hi i'm I'm Ryan Nanny. I am all of those things to varying degrees of ability and consistency, let's say
0: <laughs> very fair. Uh, well, I like to hop right in. So, obviously, like I've been saying the past couple episodes, no one comes fully formed out of the womb saying, like, this is the specific job that I want, unless you're apparently me. Uh, so what did you actually want to be when you grew
1: up? There was a story, uh, when I was like five or six, that my parents tell where I announced to them one day that I wanted to be a lawyer, a doctor, and an author and i was a lawyer i did i was gonna say two out of three i did that for six years i i don't think first grade me really had an understanding of like blogging as counting as being an author but let's say close enough and i was pre-med for one semester so i at least tried i at least tried to thread this stupid needle We're
0: we're getting some deep Ryan Lourdes. I think pre-med was the only one of those I didn't know about.
1: Yeah, I I wasn't, I was not a successful chemistry student. And so I decided, let's just not do this anymore. Uh, But originally, when I was going through undergrad and law school, I wanted to be a special agent for the FBI. Yes, you did. And that is such an
0: interesting... (laughs) Wow, and, I, and
1: I'm not that. If that's not clear,
0: I mean, I to be fair, I think you would have been great at it because you have to be amicable enough for people to tell you information. Uh had the same conversation with with Matt Scalisi on an episode about being a reporter. where like, it's basically just getting people to like you enough to tell you things.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. When did you decide that the CIA was not going to work out for you?
1: Um, I had a. So in law school, at least when the law school I went to, one of the first year classes you take is called lawyering, which is very funny because med students do not take doctoring as far as I know. But lawyering is supposed to be this like useful kind of like, this is what it's actually like in practice. Like you pretend to do a deposition and you pretend to write um, uh, a motion and you, you you know, you kind of like play act being a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. And during this class, we each had like a one-on-one meeting with the professor. And I don't remember his exact words, but he, one of the things he asked is like, why are you in law school? What do you want to do? And I said, oh, I want to, I want to be a special agent for the FBI. And he sort of probed at it. And he more or less told me that I had an immature understanding of what that job would actually be like. Wow. Uh, And that's not why I didn't end up doing it. I think it was more, so to tip my age a little bit, I was a freshman in college at the University of Florida when 9-11 happened. And 9-11 was a big deal. I don't know if people remember this. (laughs) Um, And I was just, I don't know, I was always a good student, but I didn't really have a clear, like, this is the thing I want to do. This is what I, like, where I feel called to go. And... Working for the FBI sort of felt like, okay, like, I like the analytical quality of that. I didn't necessarily want to, like, join the military and go that particular route. But I was like, I can see how this could be a useful thing. And because I have always had this, like, frustratingly stubborn sense of justice, I also sort of felt like, well, we should have people in federal law enforcement who, like, Respect the rule of law and don't think all Muslims are terrorists. And, you know, like I was like, "I, I can bring a lot of good to this. And over time, I think I just sort of grew to feel like I don't, I think that lawyering professor was right. Like I think my understanding of what that would have been was naive and was misguided in some ways. And so instead, I just sort of went into traditional corporate law. With the idea of, like, if I want to come back to this, I can. Like, you can – I I have aged out of it now. But you can apply to be a special agent, I think, till you're 35 or something like that. So I was like, I got time. I can always come back to it. Never did. Never will. <laughs>
0: That's – you know what's funny is I do remember the first time you – I don't know. I can't remember where you wrote about it, but I do remember when you first wrote about it and thinking like that makes absolute sense because again, strong sense of justice. I think it all comes from a good, a good place. Uh, Charlotte talked about this in her episode as well, where it's like, I can change the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we are adults and we experience real life. Yes. Uh, that's interesting. Does, for people who don't know what special agents actually do, I think maybe giving them a brief description would, would help.
1: So so, now we're pulling on my memory, which is going to be tricky. Oh, but sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. More or less, like, I remember that there were several paths that you could take to be a special agent. One was accounting. I was not going to do that. One was uh, specializing in a language um, of need. And so I think, like, Arabic, Urdu, um, Mandarin, uh, a handful, uh, Russian was one of them. And I did take a semester of Arabic in Joe Kim Noah, who played basketball at Florida, was in my Arabic class for one day. And he, <laughs> he was like, I'm out. Yes, he had my pre-med experience. He was like, I don't need to do this. This is not that crucial. Um and uh legal and, and getting a legal degree is one of the other popular paths as well. You get a JD and you can sort of go this way so that you can effectively be A law enforcement officer at the federal level, and that, like, you know, I I, while I never was an FBI agent in legal practice, I did meet some. I did work either with or on the other side of some. So, I I do have like some understanding of like, yeah, you're a cop for the for the federal government, and right, you're the feds. You do different things than you know, like the FBI is not sitting under a highway underpass with a radar gun right but like yeah you're going to get wiretaps you're interviewing witnesses you're reviewing documents you're like doing all the cop stuff
0: yeah that's how i feel about national park rangers too i'm like god i love that and then i remember what they actually do um <laughs> not to say i don't love our national park rangers sure. know a couple of you out there that i know in real life you're fabulous uh, well, what was your actual first job, knowing that you didn't you didn't become a special agent for the CIA or FBI? I,
1: I guess, so I would say like my first actual job job was being a corporate litigator out of law school. Like I, look, I worked, I had like smaller jobs before then. Like I was a flag football referee.
0: I wanted like to hear, yeah, most, yeah. Oh, I wanted to hear okay. some of the like okay. high school jobs because sure. those are so interesting to me.
1: Um, gosh, let's see. I think the ones that stick out were, I spent one summer working for not the cable company, but a like subcontractor of the cable company. The short version was the cable company was changing out everybody's internet router across Tampa. And so I was basically, I would show up in my like, whatever cable cable co polo and i had you being the
0: cable guy sorry continue i
1: had i had a box full of routers in the back of my car and i had a map book because that's how long ago this was so i would like look up somebody's at i would i'd see somebody's address and i'd have to i'd have to print out beforehand on map quest like where (laughs) where their house was and I would just show up at people's house, and I'd explain, like, hey, I'm from the cable company. You're getting a new router. Is this a good time? And then I'd, just, I'd have to, like, unhook the old one, hook the new one in, go from there. Very, like, boring, very sort of straightforward job. The fact that you never got robbed doing that job in Tampa is very impressive. I, Jamie, I had no money, so there was nothing to take.
0: Um, well, I was thinking, like, routers, but that's hilarious. Very
1: fair. Good point. I, I met a lot of interesting people this way because you're going into people's houses and, and using their personal computer. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, so I saw... I think the most memorable was I went... And I was doing a lot of this in, like, not truly rural, but more rural parts of the Tampa area. Plant City and Seffner and places like that that don't mean anything to anybody who's not from there but (laughs) right (laughs) um i there was one kind of older couple he was a school bus driver and i think she was retired and they were very like some people want to chat with you and they were very nice and they like wanted to chat me up and i'm like going through waiting for the system to log on their new thing whatever and just out of nowhere the old the the older man is just like ah We really love this internet. The pornography is so much faster than it used to be. I knew what
0: was coming before you even started the story because this is pre incognito mode, yes. right? So, yes. like, I oh god,
1: mm-hmm. I I already knew where this was going,
0: but yeah. I just yeah
1: yeah. I mean, so I did that. I was a flag football referee uh, at Florida, where my my did that with my brother actually, and we got threatened. Uh, by some fraternity uh to get our asses kicked in the parking lot after calls they didn't like
0: come to the flag football game if you want to ask that, that's
1: right right yeah
0: actually yeah. being a ref makes again another plot point in this story that makes total sense to me you were just dealing with unruly clients before you I, were actually a lawyer
1: and also like took it so seriously. The sense of justice was so strong. <laughs> it's black and white, cut
0: and dry
1: in the rule book like Right. Right. This is how it right. is. And, this right is how and we're wrong. Do it. Yes. Yes. But much like my sense of being an FBI agent, in reality it's like, oh, this is a lot of gray area. This is a lot of like interpretation and trying to understand motive and intent and it's like it's way more complicated than I thought it
0: would be. I I love
1: that. Um
0: yeah, I just like to hear people's kind of high school and college level jobs because I often find those little threads like that where I'm like, ah, yes, that makes sense to me mm-hmm, that you mm-hmm, were that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what do you feel like if there was one? What was the quote unquote turning point in your career, whether it was a job choice or a class you took or anything like that?
1: A move? Um, the, tr- the The best answer I can give you is the... New York City mayoral election, where Bill de Blasio won. At the time, and I've told this other places.
0: uh, I know, for people listening, my eyebrows are currently to my hairline. Continue.
1: (laughs) At the time, I was working for the New York City Department of Investigation. After I got out of law school, I went to a law firm. I was there for four years, and then I worked for DOI. DOI is uh, the city's internal watchdog of sorts so every city agency they have authority over at the time they didn't have the police but that has since changed um Rikers Island I have spent a lot of time on Rikers Island considering I have never been arrested nor had a client on Rikers um and every city vendor is subject to DOI's oversight it's a big job and like Yeah, there's there's a lot of cool work that they do. But I found out that because it's a city agency, when a new mayor comes in, Mike Bloomberg had been mayor for nine years, I think at that point, everything changes. Everybody leaves like the commissioner leaves, the deputy commissioner leaves, all of their staff leave, and it just sort of trickles down. And at some point I was just sort of like. I don't know if I want to wait around and see if the new people like me, what they want to do with me. I didn't have like enough seniority that I was like, well, I know what I do here and who I am. And at the same time I got offered a full-time writing gig at Vox Media where I had been writing part-time, I think exclusively under a pseudonym at that point. And so it was just, it was just like fortuitous timing that led me down that path. If that like hadn't been available for another year or if it had been offered to me a year earlier, might not have happened at all. Might still be a lawyer.
0: Yeah. Well, and were you writing under a pseudonym because of the the
1: nature of your job? Uh, yes. I mean, like there was probably there was nothing I was doing as a writer that would have like betrayed a client's confidence or compromised the work or anything like that. But mostly I was just sort of like I don't think the people I work for want to Google me and be like, oh, he's written um, he's written something from the perspective of the Knoxville Sunsphere, as if the Sunsphere <laughs> right. is a fallen demigod. Like, I don't think they would get that or like it. I mean,
0: personally, if my lawyer did that, I would be like, "Hell yes, we're winning this case." But (laughs) I, I have a very skewed perspective. Sure, sure. Um, and is Vox kind of where you met everybody that became your current group? Pretty much, yes.
1: Um, it's where I met Spencer and Holly and Jason and Godfrey and Richard. Yes, like it is effectively where I met that whole crew. I sort of. I sort of first intersected with Spencer and Holly as a commenter and not as a colleague. Um, and I met them before Florida Tennessee game in Knoxville that I was going to with my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time because she and Holly went to college together. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But they were in the theater arts program. Like they don't, they are, they are not sports friends. So I was just
0: shocked that y'all met at the Florida Tennessee game for the first time. Yes, I was like, yes, wow. Sir.
1: Yes, we met at some breakfast place that was right next to an adult bookstore, if I remember
0: correctly. Love it. Yeah. Honestly, wait, was this in Gainesville or in Knoxville? This was
1: in Knoxville. Yeah.
0: Oh, I know exactly where y'all are talking yeah. about too. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I that's such an intense atmosphere to like meet for the first time, but I think people misconstrue the idea of like meeting an online friend for the first time versus meeting someone where you're not really just friends, but kind of also colleagues like that. And you've, you've gotten to know them. Um And then you all just clicked. And then was it just like, Hey, we're going to start our own thing. Or was it more like we have to?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, at that point, Spencer and Holly had been doing, Spencer had been doing his thing for a while. Holly had been doing hers for a while. So had Jason, like I am by far, the last part of this band, as it were. Um, And so I think I was really just following their lead. And I think what really helped me was, it was really hard for me to under, like once I started actually writing, I had a lot, I was in the weeds. Like I was like, what am I doing? Who is this for? Like, where is the compass point? And it really only started to click for me when I simplified it to, like, just write things you think this group will like, this small group. And, like, that was so much more accessible and so much easier to wrap my head around. About like, okay, will Spencer and Holly think this is funny or clever or interesting? And if they won't, I don't see the point in writing it. And if they do... I can be happy with it even if, like, other people are like, what the hell is this?
0: Yeah. And that's another topic that keeps coming up in this entire season of, like, we were trying to cast a wide net in terms of what we thought other people wanted. Or we were trying to get into this school because, you know, it was a a mass appeal, brand name, whatever. Mm -hmm. But where the success for a lot of people is coming from is that I like it. The people I respect likes it. That's all that matters, and it just so happens that a bunch of weirdos it, and in the internet, and your case, like it too. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what was so? How did you transition? I guess from just the lawyering aspect of it into Vox, because I think people who are not familiar with the law as a job, I don't think people realize how much writing is involved.
1: Yes, it's an extremely writing, extremely research-heavy job. It's a different style of writing, for sure. It's much more formal. Oh, yes. <laughs> but I think the useful things that carry over are most lawyers understand that space matters. Like You, you should not be rambling in any, in any legal writing that you have because the right. person you are giving it to, whether it is the partner you're working for, The judge you're filing with, the client who's paying you, their time is limited and valuable. And thinking of your audience in the same way is really very smart from a strategic perspective. And so trying to sort of understand, like, if you can do in 800 what you wanted to do in 1400, that's a good decision. Um, I think it also. From my perspective, helps you sort of separate sharp, sharp and on point arguments versus distractions. And like sports, sports are full of distractions, and the difference is that like in sports, the distractions can be fun and can be like meaningful sort of like side quests. In the law, nobody's really interested in like you meandering here or there. But Jamie, in thinking about this interview, I realized that what has sort of the, the common thread for me between legal practice and writing or podcasting or the way I think about sports is I like understanding when things break down. Interesting. The law, specifically litigation or investigations, these are always instances of something happened that wasn't supposed to happen. From the very serious to the two people had a disagreement, and now one's suing the other. Right. (laughs) And what I like about sports, especially team sports, is that they're full of things that aren't supposed to happen. Like, look, I know who I'm talking to here. Alabama's not supposed to beat South Florida 14 to 3. On paper and through math and through every conceivable way that you can understand, like, The power structures of the sport. This is a Tyrannosaurus Rex against a hamster. Yes. (laughs) The hamster's not supposed to be in this battle for very long. And I, I think, like, all the things that are fun about sports are when something breaks. Sometimes that's, you know a coach or a player who has found a loophole and has figured out like, Oh, everybody's doing this. So I'm going to do that. Or this rule is written, written that way, but that means I can do this. And I, I think that is what to me makes sports interesting is that they're all about people trying to say, here's what's supposed to happen. Here's how I'm going to break that in some way, shape or form. I love that. Cause it's,
0: I mean, I think this season especially is just so textbook chaos that, like, everyone's like, aren't you, I mean, to talk about sports for a second, everyone's like, are you okay? Like, you know, and I'm like, listen, I am here for a good time, not a long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's going to happen, things are going to happen, whether I want them to or not. And I, I think that's kind of where some of your success has come from, too, just like This idea of here's, again, here's what was happening according to the textbook or the law. And, like, here's what's actually going to happen. Here's what happens in real life is involved. Um, And I think, too, it's really easy now thanks to social media. But, I mean, you guys got to launch during peak Twitter, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. Like, that's – and people could latch onto it and develop that parasocial relationship, to use a phrase, that people have beaten to death and back. And, I mean, that has to be part of it, right? That you, you're accessible, but not... I'm trying to think of how I want to... We're not famous. Like
1: We're not famous. Right. Like, like <laughs> well... and that's fine to say. Like, Kirk Herbstreit is famous. Right. Nick Saban is famous. I'm not famous. I think we have some people who are going to disagree with you. I think... I get that. But, like... Yeah. I... I have never thought, oh, I can't go grocery shopping because what if somebody comes up and talks to me?
0: Right. And also, you know. like, if somebody does come up and talk to you, you're like, oh, thank you for reading that or yes. listening to yes. this because it's yes. paying my bills.
1: Yes. Like, <laughs> it's, I I think you're right about the accessibility. And I think part of it is also, I I'll just speak for myself because I don't know how anybody else feels right. about it. But, like, I'm not particularly interested in being famous. Mm. I don't see, that's not, like, where I want to be. I don't think I'd be very good at it. I don't think I'd handle it <laughs> great. And I, I have other things I want to do. Like, I know I don't have the sort of, like, single-minded focus to get to whatever that is. Yeah. And I think that keeps me, in some ways, to myself and others, like, somewhat grounded. I don't think I'm especially smart. I don't think like, oh man, you have to listen to what I say about college football because only I have figured it out. I hope that I try to treat this job as I am lucky enough to spend the amount of time on sports that lots of people wish they could, but they have other stuff they have to do. I happen to be fortunate enough that I have to spend this much time on sports. But like, I know that in many ways, I just got lucky. I am, I didn't like, I didn't win any sort of meritocracy off or anything like that.
0: Well, on top of that being the turning point, I think to go back to our, you know, textbook question, so to speak, if that was the turning point, de Blasio, where was this specific piece of, I guess either material you learned in class or because you've kind of already answered the education aspect, I think, but a learning experience, like what was super helpful for you in this job?
1: To get in, in the job I have now.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Is your question, what was helpful on the way or once I got there?
0: Both. I, I love to know both. You can do both or either.
1: Okay. Um. I think on the way, I think what I learned was really more a thing I learned about myself and not something anybody taught me. And that's that I'm just kind of weird. And I've never related more to you. Continue. (laughs) Like that didn't, there were, there were certainly times when I was a teen or a preteen where like that was frustrating or weird or, or not what I wanted or whatever, but like I was fine doing like the same sort of impulse that has me dressing up like a fried onion has been there for a long time and just expressed itself in different ways. And I think not only accepting that, but sort of embracing that as sort of like, Oh, I sometimes see things differently or Uh, write things differently helped me sort of say like okay i can i can do something and not have to sort of follow i don't have to be a sports writer in the capital s sense and i also don't have to be spencer or holly or jason because they're all good and smart in their own ways right accepting what makes me me i think has helped me sort of like maintain something throughout what i learned once i actually got in was that um i actually get a lot more out of helping other people figure out their creative path than my own like at vox i probably had like seven different job titles over the years but ultimately what i gravitated towards was how can i help people either writing or making video make what they want to make, and make it the best thing it can possibly be. And that was the thing that, you know, I I maybe that's a thing I've been drawn to because I didn't have as much of it. I didn't have, like, Spencer and Holly are wonderful colleagues, but I have not used them as mentors necessarily. I have not sort of, like, tried to facilitate that. I realized I never have, i never had a like professor or a high school teacher or a like partner at the law firm or a senior associate. Like I never, no, I never had a mentor. And that was mostly because I didn't seek that out. And, and at this point in my life, it's kind of a bummer. I'm kind of like, Oh, I wish I had done that. And I think that's probably the advice I would give younger me is like, I know it seems silly and I know you like, I I guess I looked at it the way uh, the, the, the way some people think of therapy, which I also think is wrong, which is you don't need a mentor unless something's going wrong. Yeah. And so, so I never hit that point where I was like, Oh my God, they're going to fire me. Or I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I could always get through it on my own. And so I never developed that. And so This is a long way of saying, like, I have learned that there is value to affirmatively trying to be a mentor or at least like a good creative partner to others, even if it's not like for your own work, for your own project. Absolutely.
0: Well, I think you learn so much from collaborating with people that to think that you're above teamwork is always foolish. Yeah. Before we get to kind of the wrap up question, what was the stepping stone, I guess, from you went to undergrad at UF. Yep. And then did you stay there for law school too? No, I went to NYU. And
1: that's why you ended up in New York. Okay. Yep. yep. I just knew somebody was going to be like, you didn't answer those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Yes. And that was purely like, I was born in Gainesville. I didn't grow up in Gainesville, but like, I'm, I'm a Florida man, regretfully. Um and by the time I was done at UF, I was like, I have to try something different. I have to go somewhere and like I feel pretty confident saying that Gainesville and New York City are very different places.
0: I could not possibly agree more. Uh extremely different. Well, the last question that I always ask people is kind of twofold. It's do you feel like you've made it? And if so, What keeps you going? And if you
1: haven't, what keeps you going? I'm going to say I don't feel like I've made it because a thing I have embraced, let's say, over the last, really over the last three years, is the idea that made it isn't a thing. Yeah. Agreed. That as someone who really likes to solve problems and figure out answers and complete tasks this is one that just always always it's it, it's not that different from being a parent in some ways where it's just like you're never done you never are like yep i i did i am i have now reached the level of good dad and i don't have to do anything after like it just doesn't work that way and so i would say i have not made it because like that's for me to figure out every week, every month, every year like um in terms of what so in terms of what keeps me going i think like there's a healthy amount of fear and anxiety you know like i have yeah. done this for so long like when <laughs> to go back to sort of like having backup options when i first got the vox job i was sort of like well let's try this and if i can always go back to being a lawyer i can't really do that now i got a lot of resume weirdness i would have to explain on the way That's what is the this bar 15 again. year gap? yeah on resume. like what were you doing can you explain any of it yeah <laughs> right <laughs> um well what
0: what was your very first title at vox by the way do you remember because i know you I, have think, time. I
1: think i was called football contributor is what i was okay you know. Um, but yeah, there's like a a certain amount of, and I don't think this is exclusive to digital media by any, by any stretch, but like, I don't think anybody feels like, oh yeah, I'm good. Yeah. uh, The next five years, nothing bad can happen. No, I don't think that's true at all. And so that's part of it. But the other part of it is like, if I am going to sort of feel lucky enough to spend the time on this topic that I that I'm afforded I better do something with it like I better find something that's interesting for me at the very least and so I, I think it's a mix of like fear and opportunity and sort of like balancing those two things and using them to sort of keep motion going forward I love it. I,
0: yeah. Complacency can't happen, but also I think it literally can't happen when you have the anxiety of our fields of digital media. Um, cause everything's always changing, but last, last thing, yeah. uh, my question that I've been springing on a select few people, um, if you were going to put a warning label on this job, what would it be and why? Um
1: There are times where you're not going to want to watch sports. There just are like and i this is not- pretty much everybody I know in this industry by the time Thanksgiving rolls around, just like I'm fried uh i you know it's not there's no particular insight to when you turn your when you turn something you enjoy into a job you lose something doing it but like there's a lot of it and this in the in the way that people you know people are like oh my gosh it's it's game day I'm so excited another saturday it's like it's different when it's your job yeah your brain works in different ways like what it requires of you is different um And the other warning label I will give very briefly is it's probably going to change how you feel about other teams and other fan bases. Like
0: a hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Doing this job, I have made Florida state, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, LSU, uh, Miami. Yeah, like I've made, I've, I, I, I have like all these people who I like, have met and like, and have good feelings about. And that's not, that's not where I, you know, before it was sort of, sort of like, why would I have a Georgia friend? I hate. Right. <laughs> and now it's like half of my friend group. <laughs> right, right. So, so it also sort of like softens, which is a good thing, but it's just a thing to know. It softens your natural biases and uh, distastes. So I
0: could not agree more. Well, Ryan, plug away. Where can people find podcasts, oh, writings, boy. uh, yourself?
1: Uh, Whatever
0: you want to say or not say it's fine. All right. I'll
1: I'll I'll make it as quick as I can. I am the college football editor uh I'm the college football editor at themessenger.com. I also write a newsletter called Buried Treasure for Home field Apparel. I have a podcast called We're Not All Like This, which is about the psyches and particular uh Quirks of different college football fan bases. I do the shutdown full cast with Spencer and Holly and Jason, which cannot be explained, so I won't attempt to. I think that's all the jobs I have right now, and I really don't want to have any more because I'm too tired as it is.
0: I'll link it all in the show notes for everybody listening. Thank you, um, thank you so much for coming on. It was a blast. Uh, if you're listening to this, please don't forget to subscribe. Leave a rating because Spotify only has star ratings for now. Uh, Link it, tell a friend, and tell a friend. And until next time, bye, y'all.